Do you ever think about what it means to go back home? Or even, what is home? I know we throw that word home around quite a bit. Is it a place? Is it a feeling? Is it a larger presence of who we are? Today's guest is Susan Wheeler. And Susan is incredibly awesome. I'm grateful for her speaking with me today to talk about her home in Connecticut and the many travels that she's done and her time running marathons and just exploring the beauty of the planet but still enjoying the place she calls home. Ladies and gentlemen, Susan Wheeler. All right, we're here with Susan Wheeler today. Susan, how are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm pretty good, except that it's a pretty rainy day up here and cold, even though it's June, and I don't like that. <laughs> so I'm with you. I'm in Connecticut. That's typically what we get, but we're blessed today with a gorgeous day and sunshine. Oh, very nice. Very I'll nice. send you some after the show. Please do. Uh, <laughs> uh, June's a weird month for us because like, May is like summer, and then June goes, they call it January here because it mimics G- uh, January. Yeah. And uh, and then all of a sudden it becomes very hot in July. So um, I'm like, I need some warmth, please. You're in Washington, right? I'm in Washington State, right on Washington. the Canadian border, about a mile or so from the border. Oh, so um, beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Um, so how have you been since we last talked off air? I know the world has changed quite a bit. The Things are really moving, you know. Every day is different. Every day is different. And I'm doing great. We live in a little corner of heaven here ourselves in the Northwest Hills of Connecticut. So we're very, very secluded. And if you don't turn on your television or look at your your internet news, you can really stay, uh, stay pretty, pretty out of the loop. Yeah, I think, um, some people are doing that. I, I know I have a friend of mine who's like, I haven't looked at anything. This was not, this was maybe a couple of weeks ago. He goes, I haven't looked at the news or anything for like a week. Um, but I think it's even infiltrating more than even if you're not listening to anything, it's become such a large roar among the, on the world that it's hard to not hear anything. You know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, we have a lot of friends all over the country, so we definitely are, are informed and, and in the loop. And of course we, we are, you know, keeping track of things too. It's just nice that you can sort of put a, put a blanket over your head if you need a little piece and escape. Yeah. I actually, I was thinking about with like, um, with COVID-19 and all this stuff, it was, uh, for us, we're very fortunate living in our kind of little small, very small 5,000 person town to be able to, you know, go to the beach on a daily basis and um, have a kind of a very isolated um, nature-centered existence. It's nice to be able to just have a reflective walk and just to think about things in your life, you know? Absolutely. That, that's probably one of the, well, this is one of my favorite times of year anyway, because we wait so long like you for, for spring to <laughs> finally arrive. Yes. And then it's spring for two days. And then we have summer right into summer. Oh, wow! And we have been, I, I live very close to the Appalachian trail. So oh. my, my, 
COVID-19 has been my COVID-19 goals. One of the things I've wanted to do is hike the whole, it's about 51 miles through Connecticut. So I'm almost complete. I actually got off on a bunny trail and went up into Massachusetts. So it's nice because when you're on the Appalachian Trail, we live in a small town too. We have about 3,000 people here and we're actually 1,500, okay? Um, But in the summer we have 3,000 because a lot of people that live in New York City have homes here on the weekends. And and ever since this all happened, a lot of those people are here full time right now. So our our town seems pretty crowded, even though <laughs> even though it's not. But the even the trails, the local trails are are pretty crowded. So I head out to the AT, and you know you get a little peace and and calm there. So not many people. I've done a little bit of the AT myself <laughs> back in the Have day. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Well, in Virginia, I mm-hmm. went to James Madison University for my undergrad and then my uh, master's. And and so there's just so much beautiful hiking in Virginia and different spots where you can get on the Appalachian Trail. And it's just really beautiful. But it um, made me think about when you were talking about people from New York. Now, I just read an article that 420,000 residents of New York City are are not coming back to New York probably ever again. And Mm. that they're choosing to live a non-city-based existence. And now I wonder, will towns like yourself, the ones you live in or the ones I live in, the one I live in, will become more attractive to people? Well, like I say, our particular town has always had a big half our population is New York, you know, New York city and, but they're weekenders and they're summer, mm-hmm. summer homes. And we've noticed, and we have a lot of friends that have left the city that actually have lived, that have lived here. Um, one gal had sold, had not sold her home and she lived in England and then she lived in Manhattan and they just moved home, moved back and they're in the house. They've given up their apartment. My son is here. He was living in Manhattan. He gave mm. up his apartment. So it is definitely it, you know, it, the, the numbers, I don't know about the numbers, but I personally know a lot of people that aren't going back and it's so sad, but I can't blame them. A lot of them have these homes in places like this because just to get out of the rat race, I yeah. love to go to the city. We're about, it takes me about two, two hours and 15 minutes to get to the city from where I am. So mm-hmm. it's been a real treat. You can go, you can go for the day. I can go and see a show. I can go when my son lived there and have lunch with him and come home. Um, so now I can't blame them. I, I, I yeah. just can't. This, it, it was a rough, rough time to be in a city like that and really be, and they have two little um, kids, one of my friends, two little girls and just literally no balcony, <laughs> You know, mm. just to just to be indoors for months. Wow, that so is. I, I've heard that from a lot of people that 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 sense of that being cloistered indoors with no balcony, no nothing, just being in there. Whereas I would talk to people and I'd say, "Well, yeah, I mean, I have this huge backyard and the sunshine, and I go to the beach." And they're like, "I don't even know what that's like." 
Right. And, and like she said, you guys, you know, everyone's complaining because I, I guess it's all relative, right? We're, we're all, like I say, we're, we're all in the same storm, but we're all in a different boat. And for me being here on, we have a 26 acre organic vegetable farm Mm -hmm. and it's, it's gorgeous. And I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm looking out at what I call Lake Wheeler. My family said, it's just a (laughs) big, it's just a swamp, but it's not, there's fish in there, Okay, (laughs) but it's easy to have a different perspective on what's going on when you look out your window, depending, you know, depending on where you are and what's going on around you. And we live on a farm. It's, it's slow. It, it's pretty much seems pretty normal. And, and I have to say, honestly, I feel terrible even saying it, but for me, this has, I, I hate everything about it. You know, it's the, the, the dying, the, the, the fear, um, the economy, the, the discord, everything that's happening, but it's been a very calming time for me because in, in my life, it's just caused me to have to slow down a little bit because there's nowhere to go. (laughs) You know, I don't have all those things that I had to do. So it's given me kind of a piece in the, in the slowing down part. And I've talked to a lot of people that sort of feel the same way that feel that it's been a, a calm time. My, my daughter has seven children. And when you have seven children, you don't stop running. There's, right. you know, this one's going here and dance and after school stuff and early dismissal and back and forth and doctor's appointments and dentist appointments. And she's had the best, the best three months of, you know, the 18 years she's been a mom. <laughs> so it, it's, it's different for everyone. I like that. The way you say we're all in the same storm, but in a different boat. Uh, those very profound in a sense, you know, I think there's just so much going on. I think this year has been an incredibly um, turbulent in many ways. Um, and, and there's many different outcomes for it. I'm, I was fascinated by that New York City thing. So I'm very familiar with New York City, and just I wonder what is if there's there's becoming this almost migration from urbanism on some on some ways, and also that people are feeling in some way you know priced out of living in the city as well. You know, absolutely. I I, I think it's a cool thing. I kind of always wanted to live in the city, and. It was, it was fun when my son was living there because I had a place to go mm-hmm. and it's so great, you know, to, to walk down the streets and the sights and the sounds and the smells and always something to do and something to see and a place to go. But it, it's definitely, I'm not a city girl. I love to go and visit and I'd love to sort of be there for, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever, but that kind of I, I think people really had to step back and look. And I, I really believe a lot of people do it for convenience because they work in the city, because traveling in and out of the city takes so much time and and effort and money to do all that traveling. So people stay there because it's the most convenient thing. But yeah. I just know from living here in this town that most of the people, you know, half our population 
are New Yorkers because they need to debrief, get out and, you know, breathe some fresh air. So I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm so sad to think that New York may never recover. I've had all these thoughts. Eos greatest. I never, I never, I'm like, oh, what, am, what are Susan and I going to talk about today? And I'm, you know, and, <laughs> and just, I never, I just go with stuff, you know, and, but I think whatever comes to you comes to you. And it's interesting that you have this connection in New York City and your son was there and all that. And it, I think it sparks a larger conversation of why we live in cities or why we don't and the increase in remote work. And if you, had a choice to choose where you wanted to live because not because of the job was there, but because if you wanted to choose where you wanted to live, do you think people would choose their current, their current living environment? If that was the case. I really think people that are living in cities that were affected so, so harshly by all this are really rethinking it. I, I definitely do because my son has a lot of friends in the city who also aren't going back. So I think it's, it sounds cool. And, but unless you have to live there, I really, I really don't think people are going to go back much. Yeah. And, you know, even here, uh, the houses in this area, they're selling. If you put your house on the market today, it'll be sold tomorrow. People yeah. aren't even coming to look. They're just buying oh, wow. our house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. We have uh, friends in Litchfield, which is a, a town, the mm -hmm. next town over, and they put their house on the market because they'll be moving to North Carolina in a couple of years. So they bought their mom's house. And in doing so, they thought, well, let's see what happens. And it sold in one day. They had 12 offers and they sold it for more than they put it on the market for. And they, now they're just in an apartment for mm. two years, <laughs> for two years. So wow. yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think this has really given people a reason, or, or, not a reason, but we've really had to kind of, we've been on autopilot doing what we want, mm -hmm. living how we want. I'm, in, in the health and wellness business and people are suddenly taking their health more seriously. We've just felt invincible for so long. And, and it took this for everybody, everybody to take notice of where they live, what their habits are, uh, you know, what they're eating, how they're exercising, and I'm tuned into that because that's my field. So I see it and I sort of look for it, but it, it, things are going to look a little different for a lot of people, I think, in the, in the next few years. And, and we're going to see, we're going to see a lot more people not living in the city for sure. I think, yeah, I, I agree city. with that. I, any city, I think any is city. the the thing. I think that, um, I have always like, you know, I love the description of your town and everything. It sounds cool to me. And I feel like I have a tremendous amount of pride about where I live because I, I chose to live there for the lifestyle that we have here, not for work. And there's a lot of freedom in that. And I think that this slowing down has caused people to think, you know, as there's more remote work and more opportunities to not be, um, at a place just because of work or, you know, a lot of people move to a place because of a job, 
or they live there because that's where their work is. And to redefine, like, do you have to live? Would you choose to live here if you weren't tied to your job being physically here? And I wonder what that answer would be if if that is more available to people. Would they choose to live in certain places if they weren't tied to a physical position for that? And I think that's an interesting discussion. It it is interesting. And as you say this, I, I think about people who sort of did that to begin with, right? And then they got stuck in the in the rut of not wanting to change, being comfortable, sort of um, thinking, you know, to pick up and move what it would take. And maybe they start to have a family and now their kids are established in the school system and then they never leave. And as I'm getting older and, and talking to people my age, that that have they never made that move and i can easily say that i'm one of them i was born and raised 10 miles away from where i live right now oh wow it's a different town but it's um so i lived more in the in the downtown area um it's a it's called Torrington and that's where I grew up. That's where I was born. I grew up there. I went to school there and I have never, well, I I did live there for a short time. Actually, I did have a house there, but I moved up to Goshen. I say I moved up to Goshen eight miles up the road (laughs) (laughs) from Torrington, but it's a whole different world. It, It, when I say eight miles up, it's about eight miles up. So we have, uh, we're probably two or three weeks easily behind the the town, um, the downtown area, which is a different town, but that's where we shop. We don't really, we don't have any, we finally got a gas station here a couple of years ago. So there's no place to shop. It's a very, very rural community. It's gorgeous. But when I was in high school, I, I was married, I was married young and I had a daughter um, after high school and I, we ended up divorcing her dad and I, and I never left the area because he was established here and he wasn't going anywhere. And I didn't want to leave and leave her or take her. So I stayed here my whole life because of that. And that would have never been my choice. I've traveled a lot since then. I've seen a lot of cool places. Like I said, I did a a, a marathon out in Washington state Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. It was so beautiful, but I had never been to Washington or Oregon. So those were two on my bucket list. I've been out to California and most of all the states, but those are two I hadn't been to. So it was great to get out there, but I've done a lot of traveling and I'm a marathon runner. So when I go somewhere, my, my excuse is I'm going to run a marathon in, <laughs> in the Grand Canyon. I'll see you next <laughs> Tuesday and I'll go and make a vacation out of it. So I, I've run in many states. I ran a half marathon in Maui. So I have these destinations and, and the race is the excuse. And, you know, I see, but as much as I've traveled and as many places as I've been in the coolest places, I love this Northwest corner of Connecticut and Connecticut's very different. We have a shoreline. Um, we have cities we have, but where, where I live is it's 
it's such nature. Like I said, this is where the Appalachian Trail goes through in this corner. There's, you know, streams and waterfalls and hills and mountains and views. It's it's gorgeous. And I'm I'm called to be here. And my youngest is graduating in a parking lot next week from high school. Right. <laughs> That's how we're doing it here. And for the first time, so I've been a mom for 39 years. And I've been doing for others, raising my kids. And so my my youngest daughter is graduating. And I finally feel like I don't have to stay here anymore. And my husband came home the other day and he said, what do you think? You know, we could sell this house. We could sell tomorrow. And for the first time, I've got this freedom. And I said, I, I don't I don't really want to go. I don't want to go. I, I feel safe here. I feel happy here. It's beautiful here. So it's interesting to me how people end up leaving or end up staying and what ties them to a certain place. And I was tied here. I had family ties and now I can go, but I think I'd rather just travel. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I think it's, you've, you've been to so many places now and we're going to get to this marathon running, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) And you've seen all these things and it's, it's, it's cool that you've still chosen to be where you're at. I'm fascinated by that. I had a very opposite experience. I never grew up in a place ever. I was in a military family my entire childhood and it lived all over the United States. I lived internationally in Europe twice. And uh, I think it's very much shaped how I see the world. And um, so for me, moving has been so constant that moving is like a very easy thing to do. It's like, oh, let's just move, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Right, right. And it's it's weird to have that because, uh, you know, always being a stranger in a new place has kind of been my life. Um, and then kind of plopping down in a place. And I've been in Washington two years now, and I've already, my wife and I have already started talking about like, well, we want to be here in like eight years. And we're like, well, we'll probably be here at least until my daughter graduates. And then we'll we'll see if we want to hop to another place type of thing. So I've kind of been nomadic in my lifestyle because I don't know what home means. And physically, like, you know, hey, there's this town I grew up in and we go back. I don't, I don't understand that because I never lived it in my life. Um, so I, I think it's fascinating when someone like yourself has had that and you like, you grew up so close, you though the memories are there for you. And I don't know what that's like. I, I have flashes of places you know, but I think it's great that you travel because I think it's, it's I, I feel for people who have never traveled anywhere and they've been in the same place, but they don't, and they go, well, I'd never leave here. And I'm like, we've never tried to look at anything else. What is, how can you know if you've never even traveled to a place to see, you know, so. Exactly. And, and it's definitely a, a different perspective what you're saying, because yeah, I've got a big smile on my face and thinking, oh, that would be so cool. But seriously, because my sort of dream was that I didn't want, I talked about, well, should we get another home somewhere? Should we move mm-hmm. all together? Just get a, a vacation home. And and then I thought about just putting my roots down somewhere else. And I thought, I don't, I just want to be on the move. I, I want to couch surf. 
I know mm. people everywhere and I don't really want to sleep on people's couches, but Airbnb <laughs> is such a, it's you can go anywhere. Right. And, and the cool thing about Airbnb is that, it, and whoever dreamed that up was just brilliant yeah. because when I go places, I want to be sort of in the thick of things in, in the culture. And so for yes. example, when I, my son who was living in Manhattan, now he's completely different. He graduated from, from college. And about a week before graduation, he said, mom, I've been thinking about it. I'm, I'm moving to Florence. I'm like, Oh wow. Florence, Italy. <laughs> Cause you know, there's some towns. There are some Florence. Florence and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And he said, yeah. And he had gone and studied abroad the year the year before in a summer program and just fell in love with it and figured out a way that he could go back and work for this travel company. And that's what he wanted to do. And I was, you know, just living vicariously through him because when, when I graduated, well, from college, me from high school, I, I was a, a wife and going to be a mom. You know, he graduated and he had the choice to do anything he wanted to. And he went and lived there. And after months of, I, I kept thinking, well, he, he's probably going to come home soon. And he wasn't coming home and he wasn't coming home. And then finally I said, all right, that's it. I'm going to come visit. I need to see where you live. And when we went, I went with a, a friend of mine from high school who lives out in California. We met in New York, flew over to Florence and we spent two weeks not just in Florence, we went everywhere, the Amalfi Coast and Lake Como and Rome and and Venice. And everywhere we stayed was in an Airbnb, which was so cool because you felt like you were you were part of the the culture and the neighborhood and and really how you, it's a hotel or it's just so different from being in a home or an apartment that it and I so that's really how I like to travel unless I'm traveling for business. It doesn't really work that way, but any other time. And that's sort of been my way of seeing like, wow, if I lived here, you know, this is what it would feel like. This is what it was like. This is where I would go to the store. And so I've gotten enough. I've done that enough that I keep coming home. I love yeah. to travel. I don't, I love it and going places and th seeing things. But, you know, like Dorothy, <laughs> I tap my little right? ruby. <laughs> yeah. There's no place like home. So how do you, um, how have you seen the world through marathon running and one, and also why did you start doing it? Well, my, I have a chapter in my book called um, A Marathon Mindset, and, and I started by saying every, every runner has a story, and this is mine. So I was never a runner my whole life. I started running when I was 40. So I had a pretty serious accident when I was 34. I had fallen from a balcony. I was cleaning the home of someone who lived in New York city. We have a lot of people They come for the weekend and then they just want to get back to work and you'll go in, clean their home, get it ready. And then they'll come back on the weekend. So I had a few accounts. I was working on my own. I was a single mom at the time and I went to the home, was cleaning an upstairs bedroom. The balcony railing was faulty. I fell 
from the bedroom to the living room. It was a 14 foot fall head first. And I hit the floor and when my injuries ended up being, I broke all my ribs on my right side. I broke my elbow. I broke, I shattered my pelvis and I broke my back. So there I was in the middle of a week on the floor of someone who's not going to be there until Saturday morning. <laughs> mm. So I was, I was in pretty bad shape. And of course I was dragged myself to the phone, called 911 and was able to get, get, you know, be rescued. But my recovery took a long time and not only the initial recovery, but then years of, of, you know, limping and, um, arth- arthritic. So when I was 39, one of my really close friends was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer and she was pregnant with her third son at the time. And I wanted to do something to support her. And a lot of times girlfriends will, they'll shave their heads in support. And I didn't want anyone to think I was sick. I didn't really mind shaving my head, but I thought, you know, to me that felt easy enough. And it, it just didn't seem like what I wanted to do. And I got it in my head that I was going to run this race that we have in our small town here. And gosh, I think we have about 7,000 runners. I mean, it draws people from all over the world, some elite runners as well. And then all the locals get involved. And every year I go and cheer them on. And I thought, wow, it's seven miles. I'm going to run this race. And I actually ran this race. You know, I just gave you the wrong number. I said 7,000 runners, 1,500 runners. I'm sorry, 1,500 runners, but from all over the world, like elite runners and then local people. And um, it was a seven-mile race, and I trained for three weeks. (laughs) I'd never run a step in my life. And here I have this body that, you know, I had to learn to walk again, and now I'm running with it. It was about six years after my accident. So it was really hard for me to do. And it was a huge accomplishment. And I kind of caught the bug. And after the race, a friend of mine that helped me, you know, get to the start and the finish line said, we're running a half marathon in September. Do you want to do it with me? And what I loved about running was the fact that for that three or four weeks that we were training before we were we would get up early in the morning and and I, it was exhilarating to you feel so powerful when you can do something physical with your body that you've never done before and and so i loved having that sort of schedule and and pushing myself and then accomplishing something and the next day i could run to the next telephone pole and it was something to celebrate until finally I could run. I ran that race seven miles almost without stopping after training for just that amount of time. So I kind of caught the bug and I agreed to do it thinking I'm going to bail. I'm going to, you know, when I get to the, when we, you know, when the, it gets too hard, I'm just going to bail, but at least I'll still, you know, be with these people and be running. And I ran that half marathon. And the next thing I knew, I was signed up for a marathon the next spring. And the rest is history. And I, every race I ran, I would say, you know, if I'm doing it for Lisa and she was my motivation to keep running. Um, she ended up 
dying three years later after I started running, but I, I just kept running for her. And finally, until, you know, next thing I know, I'm doing an ultra marathon in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> so who is this person, you know, who's been on the couch your whole life? Not exactly, but I was never an athlete. Never. Wow. That's, that's very, uh, it's wonderful. It's, what is it about the marathon that eventually feels like there's a common story of pulling people in and this almost sacred feeling about it. I've talked to so many people who've run marathons and they have very similar stories and the feelings behind it. Running a marathon is, is, you know, different for everyone. I wasn't the competitive marathon runner that had to be a certain time so I could run Boston. Mm-hmm. I was the marathon runner that did fairly, fairly good. My, I always ran between four to five hours, mostly four to four and a half hours, but I had a few that were, you know, over for whatever reason, you know, when things go wrong. And, but it, for me, it was being, I was part of something. You feel like you're sort of part of a group, but you're going at your own pace. So if I was having a bad race, I didn't ruin it for everybody else. I, hmm. I, I'm, I'm that sort of team player, but running, I think is for everyone because you can all, you can run your own race and what I really love about it out of any sport, and I used to love to play volleyball, and this is all kind of not, you know, not varsity things, but I played on little leagues and stuff like that. And what I love about marathon running is you're really physically, it's a, it's an awesome thing, but it is totally your mindset and running a marathon can level you up in so many other areas of your life. So for me, running a marathon was if I I felt if I could do this, then I could do this. And I would a lot of times relate it to something business related or just the fact that if I wanted to go somewhere, that's when I started traveling to do marathons. I thought, well, why can't I? We limit ourselves in so many areas of our life because either it's comfortable or we're, we're afraid to, to try something new. Fear holds us back in so many ways. And when you, when you can run a marathon, 26 miles, I mean, I consider if I have to do an errand that's 26 miles away, I might say, no, no way. I'm not going all the way to such and such. That's a long distance. And to do it on foot is, is an incredible feat. And it's, it's just for me, sure. It's great for your calves and your quads, but the, the muscle I work out the most is, is my mind. I love it for that. It's just a total mindset workout. I love that. I love the mindset. Actually, I just had Michael Bryant on and he's uh, started doing uh, Ironmans at 56 years old. Mm. And he talked about the magic that adults accumulate in doing these types of races, triathlons, duathlons, marathons, and that the joy that you see, he's seen in this video of people crossing the finish line and the people are clapping and the joy and the experience of accomplishing something really amazing. I think you would like that episode. It's really good. And you would probably click with it 
and I, stories about it. I saw it and I just didn't get to it yet, but of course I'm anxious to, to listen to that because that's right up my alley. Yeah. Big storyteller and all about that. And, you know, we were, we were vibing about that, especially for me, I was a collegiate track and field athlete, a scholarship athlete. So I have a tremendous amount of running. I was, you know, constantly running when I was uh, younger and it was all competitive. And so what's interesting, the rise of recreational running, especially as my experience with running was all competitive growing up. And it was, uh, stressful in many ways, but also mm-hmm. a lot of the training that, cause you train way more than you actually compete and competitive running. It's just the, it's inordinate the amount of time you spend actually competing to the amount of time you actually do training. It's incredible. And, um, but that it, it hardened me in a very good way and that it made me very tough and resilient to many things because to be in pain constantly and running and running with a group and the constant competition was, it was exhilarating in the sense you're always testing yourself on a regular basis. And I think it's, you know, for people running marathons is this sense of you're, you're conquering something that is a large task. And I, I identify with that. I haven't run a marathon, but man, I've run it for I've run for five lifetimes. I think I'm out of running. I've done. Absolutely. With it. So, yeah. You know, the marathon is such a, you're, you're right. It's a feat. So I would, I would rather, I would opt to run a marathon before I'd run a 5k <laughs> because it's so, it's so darn stressful because you have to turn it up. And when, when I was first running, I did all kinds of races and, and I would always place in, in the top, in my age group. So in the top three, at least, and those races were so stressful. And when I, when I started running the longer runs, what I loved was all the, the, the training, like you say, the 26 miles, that's nothing because you ran 500 miles just to get there. Right. Right. (laughs) And, and, and I loved sort of everything else that surrounded that. And so the, the marathon running a race, it can be it's not all that calm and relaxing because you're still in a race and sometimes there's cutoffs depending on the race. So it can be a little stressful, but I just love the long, slower pace that, that you really can, you just get into your head. I always say when I come back from, from a run, uh, we have a, a, call a team call every morning at 8 30 so I'll come in the door at like 8 25 I'm like I'm brilliant I'm amazing listen to this and then I'll you know pep everybody up for the day (laughs) and you do you running just it does something for you and like I say I'm not out there running fast but when when you can put your mind to something and accomplish it with your body it, it it's it gives you so much power. It gives you so much power. I can totally identify with that. I think it's a beautiful thing. And uh, I love talking to marathon runners, you know, of all different ages and abilities and just the story behind it, the, just the, the conquering, the belief that you can do more and you're capable of more for that. So what is your, do you plan on doing more marathons in the future or where do you see yourself going with it? Well, I have been, I've been back running, really officially running for the last two weeks. I've had 
a torn meniscus, which was repaired last April, and it's taken all this time to really resolve. And I think it it was a, a few different things. I had the surgery and something wasn't right. And it's just, I, I've been off. So hence the hiking, you know, all the different things I've been doing with the Appalachian Trail. Last June, I had a half marathon out in Glacier National Park. And we ended up just all of us hiking. We hiked about 60 or 70 miles that week instead of running because my knee just wasn't ready. And you know, one thing led to the next and all the girls decided, you know, we'll just, we'll just hike out here. So I'm back to running. I, I'm not really sure. I love trail running because for me, I would rather run without one spectator and just see beautiful things and cool, you know, stop and take pictures. That, that does it for me rather than running a, a, a city race where, where there's crowds, I could, I could care less about that. I, I just want to see things. And what's really cool too, for me, it's not about the, the signing up and racing anymore. I just want to be healthy enough that, that I can get around and see things because when you're say driving in a car, I know a lot of people like to travel in an airplane because you know, you can take a nap and next thing you know, you're, you're there. But most people haven't really even seen the country or the countryside. We're just so focused on where we have to be and we have a limited limited amount of time to get there. And we just miss everything along the way. And when my oldest daughter graduated from, from high school, which was, gosh... 1999, I think she graduated. And I remember the valedictorian giving the speech and she talked about the journey. And I'll never forget that. Here I was a mom in the audience and listening to this teenager teach me something about life. And, you know, she talked about the journey and we're so focused on the destination that we miss everything in between. And I so this morning, for example, I met the four girls that we hiked with out in Glacier, and I was bringing up the rear. I said, here she is, Wheeler's bringing up the rear again, because I had my injury last last June, and today I was fine, but it just so happened I was last one. And she goes, yeah, you know, here we are, you and I were taking pictures, and they're just hiking away. And to me, that's, the, the destination doesn't mean as much as the journey that it took to get there on every level. And I'm not just, I'm just talking about the the people we meet. I'm using the analogy. It's everything along the way. That's what's special to me. And, and like I say, with this pandemic, I, I feel calm because I feel as a mom that, you know, I have four kids that, that have all done something extracurricular. Um, my one of my daughters and one of my sons were big into varsity sports in, in high school. And so, of course, you know, we've been, as soon as they could walk, we've been following them around and watching them play. And so many parents will will watch from the sidelines with the video camera going. And back in the day, it was one of those big honking things. Yeah, I remember. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now you can hold up your cell phone. Put it on your shoulder, different. you know? It's like... <laughs> exactly. And, and, 
I, I, I did it myself here and there, but mostly if you lo- looked at what I videotaped, you'd see the grass or the sky because I, I wasn't paying as much attention to taping as I was. But so many people live behind that lens that they're not ever really present in the moment. And, and what we, what we miss and most of those videos go in a box and now they went from eight track to DVD to, I don't even know what now I don't even have anything to play any of those things, but I couldn't close my eyes and remember so many things. So it's, and that's who you're playing the video for, I guess, mostly anyway. Um, I'm sure the kids want to see some things, et cetera, but you know what I mean? We spend a lot of time not being present and that's what I love about the distance running it, because I don't feel like I just have to run my brains out and get to the finish line and, you know, pass out or whatever might happen. I, I really, really enjoy the journey. Well said. Very well said, Susan. A uh, beautiful message. I want to thank you for being on. I mean, it's, for me, I get to learn from wonderful people like you and hear your stories and your experiences. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for for pulling all this out in me. It's, it's nostalgic. <laughs> it's uh, it's wonderful. I'm sure many people are uh, are very happy being around you and hearing your stories and your positivity and your outlook on life. They're fortunate. Uh, in that sense. So I'm fortunate. So thank you. Thank you. So we will be in touch. And uh, that's Susan Wheeler, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone.